everybody. Welcome to the Good Evening Kitties podcast, a Tales from the Crypt review. My name is Melissa, your ghostess with the mostest, and today's episode is season four, episode six, What's Cooking? And of course, I have here with me Joe, who's, this is your favorite episode? 100% my favorite episode of all time. 99% sure this is the first episode I ever saw, and in my mind, it's what I think of when I think of Tales from the Crypt. Well, you're not the only one, apparently, because a uh, little trivia here that I'll just throw in beforehand. What's Cooking is the highest-rated episode on IMDb. How is this the number one Tales from the Crypt episode? Well, I got a, first of all, I got a rating of 8.5 out of 10, which that's as high as the episodes go, which I'm kind of surprised. But, yeah, this is the highest one. I The only thing I can think of is because Christopher Reeve is in it in the way that he got injured and died. And Meatloaf. Yeah, and Meatloaf. That it, that's one reason why. It's also a little, I mean, it's somewhat graphic. And people love that stuff of the whole, like, eating people, no one knows kind of stuff. I'm just going to come right out and say it. What's cooking? Come on, it's eating called What's Cooking. It's people. I think I said it on the last episode you had me on. Spoiler, meatloaf is what's for dinner. Yes. So, yeah, so we're going to get into that. Thank you, Joe, for being here. Thanks I, for having it me. It had already been planned for a while since I knew this was an episode that you really enjoyed. As always, John Kassir does the voice of the Crypt Keeper, and Danny Elfman does the theme song. This episode aired July 22nd, 1992. It was directed by Gilbert Adler, who also directed Bordello of Blood, which is one of the Tales from the Crypt movies. The screenplay was by A.L. Katz and Gilbert Adler. It stars Christopher Reeve, best known as Superman. I mean, obviously. Bess Armstrong from TV's My So-Called Life. She's not quite Margot Kidder, but she'll do. <laughs> She'll do. Art LaFleur from movies like The Sandlot. Meatloaf, which everyone knows is a singer. He was in Fight Club. He was in the Rocky Horror Picture Show. That should be what everyone knows him from, right? Rocky Horror Picture Show? I mean, absolutely. Yeah. And Judd Nelson from... I hate this fucking guy. <laughs> from interesting, weird movies like The Breakfast Club. Anytime you need a guy that can be sarcastic and emotionless at the exact same time... Yeah. You call Judd Nelson. Are you... He does play it well in this. I will give him that. He, he does what he does very well. What he does, I cannot stand. Actually, my favorite in this, actually, Christopher Reeve, I thought, did a pretty good job of just being freaked out in he this. He definitely played his part like that straight guy that had never encountered anything. Yeah. And we... then we don't start at zero. We start at ten. We're not only butchering people, we're cooking people, we're eating people. You can almost see the emotional breakdown in his head as the episode goes yeah, on. Yeah, he's like, such a pure, hardworking guy, and then all this stuff just starts going around and around him, and he doesn't know... It's too much. ...how to handle it, yeah. I'm going to go ahead and read the description here on the back of the box. Business is great at the All Squid Diner. Now that meat is on the menu. One question, where's the meat come from? Meatloaf. <laughs> Get it's, it? It's people, guys. <laughs> you, you like steak and eggs? Okay, so we'll go ahead and get started. I really enjoyed this intro for the Crypt Keeper. First of all, his face looks really defined in this beginning. I don't know if they changed up the puppet or what, but it's like just really detailed. I'm glad you said that because this look, and maybe it's just the addition of the long hair for this particular setup, I feel like this is a different puppet. Yeah. Because when I think I of the Crypt Keeper, this is what I see, but for the most of the episodes, he never looks like this. He just has a way. That it might be the lighting too. I don't know. Well, they have him real close up, but yeah, it's really just detailed, and his face has got so much movement to it. And what he's doing, and he he's got a a chef 
tied down with chains and he took a corkscrew and he's screwing out his eyeball and he pops it out and throws it into a wine glass to make a drink. Oh, and the guy on the table is hamming it up. Yeah, he's like all shaking and like freaking <laughs> out. It was pretty, it's a pretty good intro. So this episode opens up, it's at this restaurant and I hate squid. I'm not a huge seafood person to begin with. And these squid look horrifying. We never could get you to go out to sushi, could no, we? No, I'm not, no. And he's got this recipe book called like um, squid, squid, more squid or something. And I was like, this is the dumbest idea. I'm like, okay, first of all, squid recipes, gross. These squid are really gross. That restaurant probably smells. But this, their idea is that the restaurant only serves squid. Come on. And I'm calling bullshit right off the bat. I am not a trained chef, but that cannot be how you prepare squid. She basically chops it into pieces and then literally minces it. Yeah. Like you were making some type of croquette or fried squid thing. Like we're going to make a ground patty out of squid and everybody's going to love it. Yeah, she really just chops it into nothing. I, I, I don't know if it's just because she's frustrated because she looks like it. She definitely says it. This is the worst idea. Yeah, it is. And for some reason, she comes over here and pretends like she's going to put the cleaver into the back of his neck. Christopher Reeves' character, uh, Fred, is reading over the recipes and she comes up and like just freezes. It's almost kind of comical. And he doesn't even care. He's just like, don't do that. You'll wreck the blade. <laughs> you know what's funny is during the episode, they make more than one comment about the knife being rare or the company being in, yeah. no longer in business. It's a metal that no one makes anymore. It's kryptonite, obviously. Oh, is that what you think? I mean, think about it. I mean, Superman keep... is running a restaurant that only serves squid, and he has a rare knife that is made from something no one has anymore. Mm, Obviously, it's the most deadly thing she could have in her hand right now, as far as he's concerned. That's true. Yeah, okay. Well, that's a, yeah, that could be something. And so she's frustrated, because they, um, they have this restaurant. No one's in the restaurant. No one cares. No one wants a squid sandwich. Cop comes in to get his coffee, and he says, I, I can't take the muffin today, guys. Yeah, he called it the Squid McMuffin. I wonder how they got that through. <laughs> yeah. Judd Nelson's character is named, shit. <laughs> is named Gaston, which it's spelled Gaston. And he works as kind of like, I guess, the waiter and cleaner upper. Gaston is saying, like, maybe we should try, like, a barbecue joint. And uh, Christopher Reeves' character, Fred, is like, yeah, anyone can do barbecue. And it's like, meh. Not necessarily, but... He just throws it out to, I pay you to sweep up, so sweep up. Yeah. Later on, you're going to find out that this guy has way more access to this restaurant than he should have. Yeah, so like just a waiter, yeah. And so the restaurant closes in, in that night, and across the street or so, Judd Nelson's character, uh, Gaston, is hanging out with all the other scum of the city, it looks like. Yeah, what is he doing here? <laughs> He's just standing in front of a building smoking cigarettes with, what, his friends? I He's guess. He's supposed to be like a drifter. Like, no one knows who he is or where he came from or what he did. Yeah. He probably killed people. They're just, just gonna like come some, right out and say it. Just some rough-looking people sitting here. There's, like, a, a doll in someone's cart. Like, I don't know, just hanging out. She comes over there with leftover squid, I guess, from the day and offers it to them. And they're like, okay. And they, they pick on it. They're like, all right. You can tell Gaston's kind of into her. Or, like, trying to lead her away from her husband, He's saying, a like, piece of shit. <laughs> saying, like, this is a horrible idea for this restaurant. Hey, I'm sorry for what Fred said before. Well, the man's a visionary. I respect that. What I can't figure out is what a classy lady like you is doing with a guy like him. Well, maybe it's like you said, he has a vision. Uh huh. You ought to leave him and come live with me. I've got vision too, you know. Well, that's sweet, but, uh, thanks for the offer. I'll see you tomorrow. 
Would you like me to walk you? No, I'm okay. I can take care of myself. And she stands up for her husband, you know, her name's Irma. Another thing I noticed too is, so the name of the restaurant is Fred and Irma's Calamari Cafe, which is kind of cute. It's not a bad- That is clever. It's cute. But the lights have gone out on a lot of the wording and it ends up spelling the word enemas. Did you catch that? I did not catch that. <laughs> and now that you said it, I know exactly where I'd, where to look. Yeah. There's a part where like the, the lights are like flickering on and off on the name of it. And it just says enemas. And I'm like, all right. And so enemas. And then she is still talking to Gaston. And she shows him that she has a gun to protect herself and things like that. And it's like, okay, Chekhov's gun that's going to be coming back. 1992, woman with a 38 special in the bottom of her purse. Good luck getting to it when somebody's trying to take the purse from you. I don't think it was a 38 special. I'm just guessing. Oh, okay. I honestly don't know. Yes, yeah, he enemas. Yeah, I, I knew exactly <laughs> where to look. And enemas. The cleaver's coming down and everything. And so Fred's still back at the restaurant. He's kind of going through just like cleaning up and, and preparing vegetables and things for the next day. And that's when their landlord comes in, Chumley. And Chumley is played by Meatloaf. And this is before Bob had bitch tits. Superman's greatest foe. And he's saying <laughs> Meatloaf? Meatloaf. And he's in this like this suit and he's sitting there and, or standing there and being kind of sassy and he's saying they haven't paid their rent and he's going to evict them the next day. I want you to feel free to remind me if I'm wrong. But last week, did we or did we not have a conversation in which you agreed you would deliver into my hands yesterday the three months back rent that you owe me? Yes, sir, we did say something along those lines. And what day is today? Is today yesterday? No. Today is today. <laughs> and do you know how I know that today is today? Because if today were yesterday, I'd have a check in my hand. Yeah, Meatloaf is doing his best southern gentleman asshole. Mm-hmm. Fred is starting to get a little irritated at it. Chumley goes to leave, and he gets up with his, his parry knife that he has, and he calls him a fat son of a bitch, and then runs up on him. And when he does, he accidentally slices Chumley's hand. And they're both just like don't touch me. And he's like, I'm sorry I touched you. And he's like, just upset. And so Chumley goes to leave. And part of me, when, when Fred was looking at the bloody knife, I was like, lick it. He gonna lick it. Like, that's the way he was looking lick at it. Lick the fucking blade. He's gonna lick the blood. <laughs> but he didn't. But he goes outside to the restaurant after Chumley. And he's like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do that. And he's like, you're crazy. I'm evicting you. I'm calling the cops. And across the street, Gaston's watching this because Gaston has no house, apparently. He just hangs out outside with these other guys smoking cigarettes. He's decided right here, I'm gonna go kill that guy. Yep. So he goes after Chumley. Fred doesn't have any idea, but we'll find out in a little bit. So Fred goes home, feeling kind of rough after what happened with him and Chumley. And Erna's feeling sexy. Irma. Did I say Erna? You said Erna. That is not a name. Irma comes out. Yeah, she's feeling kind of frisky. I don't know. She's got like a little kimono thing on and she's in a good mood. She's got perfume on. She's like, oh, it's feeling sexy. I don't know if it was because she was talking to Gaston and everything you said about her. But no, I was thinking it's either that or... I would feel fantastic getting the smell of squid off my body. So I think maybe she just went home and had a shower and she's like, oh, there I am. Like she... I feel better now. She didn't feel so bad. So she's trying to just, you know, be sexy. She's like, hey. And then he's feeling bad and he's explaining the situation about their back rent and how maybe they could use Irma's credit card to help pay off some stuff. And she's she's basically like, okay, this, this isn't working. I don't know what we're doing. We're going to end up homeless. Instead, How about instead of trying a new idea... Because he wants to try pork. 
And she's like, well, instead of trying a new idea, why don't we fix what the problem is now instead of getting more and more in debt? And there was a part here I thought was kind of funny where he was like, you're not gonna leave me, are you, or something? And she's like, you're not gonna get rid of me that easily. I married you for richer, for poorer. Besides, you owe me a shitload of money. Which I thought was kind of funny. That's so nice. <laughs> I'm, I'm taking it as he's in on the barbecue idea. Like he was starting to take the ideal from Gaston. Yeah, I think to be so. Like, Let's try that. Yeah, that could be. There's also a very horrifying detail. There is a baby crying in that scene when they are alone in their apartment by themselves. I never see these people with their baby, but I hear the baby. You sure it's not like a neighbor baby? It could be. I think that's what I was thinking. Like they were in like kind of a scummy place and like everyone's got thin walls. Yeah, that might be it. It could be, but that's an interesting thought that they have some baby that they're just not paying attention to. It's just never acknowledged. So it's the next day, they come back to the restaurant, Christopher Reeve's trying not to be sad, because he knows this is probably the last day. He explains to Gaston, like, you're being evicted, you're probably not going to have a job. And right here, this is what I'm talking about. The guy is in the restaurant by himself. Yeah. He's supposed to be a drifter they're paying to sweep up. Yeah, that's weird that they would give him access to open the restaurant (laughs) when no one's probably even there. And so the cop comes back. He was like, don't you have eggs or something? And she goes to open the fridge to see what they have left, and there's a bunch of steaks in there with the eggs. Just randomly. Just random steaks all Overnight. wrapped up. And she's like, oh, steaks. And the cop's like, that sounds great. Steak and eggs sounds good. And Gaston's like, yeah, um, I came across a really good deal on some steaks. And I thought we could just try out maybe the barbecue ideal or, you know, something. Just see what's up. Where did he get his money from? They're paying him in leftover squid. I think they're paying him actual money, I'm sure. <laughs> we haven't seen it happen in the show. It's not real until I see it. <laughs> So he's like, I hope you guys aren't angry. And the cop's like, no, I'm starving. Please make me the steak. And so Irma starts cooking up the steak and cooking it up and it smells really good. And as they're cooking it, more people start coming into the restaurant because they can smell it. And so they're starting to get more customers and they start to run out of steak. But before this happens, the cop explains that Chumley has gone missing and that they found his car and it looked like there had been a scuffle and there was just blood everywhere. And they're like, if he did get away, I don't know what shape he's going to be in. So that's kind of in the background there as customers are starting to come in. And so they're running out of steak. And so Gaston's like, yeah, I'll go back and get it. He sees that Gaston has Mr. Chumley's handkerchief. And he's like, oh yeah, he gave it to me. They're starting to, he's starting to catch on that something's going on. I don't, he doesn't know what, but he still knows something's wrong. And I love, I like Chris Ferru's face there. He's just kind of like, okay. And so they go back into the, the freezer to get some more of the meat. And this part I was like, I winced real hard. So you open the door. He doesn't, he's like, oh, maybe your wife shouldn't come back here. Open the door and meatloaf, his body. Well, I mean, it's like a dummy, but it's hanging naked. Is it though? <laughs> it doesn't look exactly like him. How do you know? Because he's still alive. Like in There's life. one shot where it could have just been him with no shirt on. It could have been. And I'm still horrified by it to this day. It's a great scene, and it's really messed up because he's just hanging there naked in the fridge. He just starts cleaving chunks out of him. Yeah, it really, uh, it was really messed I was like, oh no, because he's like, turns him around, and it's like on his backside above the rump kind of thing, and he just takes the cleaver and just hits it into him and just starts chunking pieces of steak out. And what was interesting is he was telling the cop earlier that this was like special cured meat, and I'm like, mm, it's been a day. <laughs> I don't think it's super cured. It's been a day, it's been in a freezer. Special family recipe. And one thing I noticed right off the bat is this is a restaurant that is failing because all they serve is squid. They cook one steak on a griddle and all of a sudden the entire town comes roaring in like maybe they changed something. Like they've never had steak before. 
I mean, the moral of this story is everyone is a cannibal, right? Yeah, they're all Wendigos, like on Ravenous. I'm glad you brought that up. Because <laughs> this reminds me of Ravenous so much, except it doesn't have David Arquette. And, well, I guess it is kind of a black comedy. Dark comedy. I was like, at least they cooked it. Come on. To be fair. Gotta cook that stuff. Yeah, and it's just really messed up how he takes the, the piece off him just so nonchalantly. And Fred is freaking out. Like, oh my gosh, we have customers. And he looks like he's going to throw up, which he probably should. And this part I didn't get is because he doesn't say anything. Like, immediately what he should have done is ran out into the restaurant, stopped his wife and been like, we have to call the police. Because she hasn't fed Phil the steak yet. It's still on the grill, right? I think he already started eating it. At worst, one person has had like two bites of Yeah, and it's a cop. Point. You could tell him, hey, cop, come in the back. Like right now. Look what happened. <laughs> like, I don't see why he didn't do it. And he just, he doesn't. He freaks out, but then he heads out and he sees how the restaurant's doing. And he decides to keep the secret from his wife. And everyone's enjoying the steak. So he's Greed. like, okay, sure. The money know? is flowing. So it's a very productive day. And they made at least $1,500 in the one day. And they're like, this has been fantastic. This is lovely. Fred heads back with the money um, to the freezer to get some more steaks and take a look around. He doesn't want Irma to go back there. He's trying to keep it from her, which I don't know how you can keep someone from a freezer while they're working. Simple. You keep them on the grill. You've got a constant flow of inbound customers. You don't have a second to walk away. But see, that makes me want to go to the freezer. If I'm on the grill all day, like I used to work at some like flipping burgers and stuff. It was lovely to go in the freezer. Yeah, but you got to remember about her. Right? She's never experienced this before. That's ever. true. She's probably just in awe. And so now they go back into the freezer and Chumley's body, Meatloaf's body, is stripped bare. It's basically a head. The legs are missing, bone and sinew. And he's like, they've hacked away his entire body, which part of me is like, did some of those steaks have nipples? Because what did they do with the skin? You know, that's the one thing that... They just throw that away. I spend time, as many times as I've watched this episode, I spend time thinking about there are pieces of the human body that if you did serve them, you would could, be blatantly obvious yeah. they are not steaks. Yeah, you could tell. And I'm guessing meatloaf is what? 250? I will give you 300 pounds for the sake of the argument. The point is, stripped bare in one day? Yeah. How much steak did these people eat? Uh, $1,500 worth, apparently. God. <laughs> So now Gaston has kind of cornered him next to Meatloaf's horrifyingly mutilated body. Now he's starting to threaten to call the cops after they've already made the money and everything. And Gaston's just got this really good arched eyebrow. And he starts to kind of blackmail him. He's like, well, you cut him last night with your special knife that is only made of apparently kryptonite. I hate this guy. <laughs> and the cops are easily going to be able to figure out that you probably killed him, not me. He's like, you should have said something before. You didn't. There were witnesses. Those guys that I know across the street saw what happened. Now, have you considered that Gaston is just a different kind of serial killer that we really haven't seen in American film and television? You never see him eat anyone. All he does is kill mm -hmm. and then get other people to eat people. Well, and cover his tracks. 100%. Yeah. But you never actually see him eat people, so you can't call him a cannibal. I used well, to no. hate him more because he was a cannibal spreading his ravenous disease. Yeah, but yeah, he I'm doesn't I'm going to call it, it that, but you never see him no. eat. You just see him kill. Yep. He just likes or to. try to kill. Yeah. So Irma is all excited. She brought some champagne. She's like, I've had this for a special occasion. And I turned to Mike and I was like, so like 17 years or like how long? However long they've had the restaurant. <laughs> and so she's putting it on ice or whatever. She's, she wants to get the ice from the freezer. And he's just like, nah, sweetie, it's fine. You don't need to go in there. We've been here all day. 
a little suspicious, right? Yeah, let's go celebrate. And she's like, okay, cool. And so Gaston's left at the restaurant by Again. himself. And now you can also see part of the blackmail. Gaston has decided to change the name of the restaurant. It's now Gaston, Fred, and Irma's Steakhouse. And I was like, Ruth's Chris? Isn't that one of like Ruth's Chris's Steakhouse where it's like all these names? That's just too many. Y'all, Come up with something easier, guys. Y'all want to go to Gaston, Fred, and Irma's Steakhouse? How about we just go to Steakhouse? I'm going to go to GFE's. Sure, why not? Yeah, that's probably what they end up calling it. And his name is first. Gaston's like, hey, and it's like real big. Now there's this, they're this really popular steakhouse. Everyone wants, all these little Wendigos are up here wanting their meat. You don't even know how bad you have it right now. <laughs> and this place is bumping. Everyone is getting steak and eggs. They have nice fancy waiters now, apparently. Everyone's all dressed up. Interior's been redone. Yeah, they're, they're doing really well. They even have a nice food critic there who wants seconds. So they're like, oh my gosh, we're going to be so popular. And now Fred's at the grill and he's cooking the meat and he kind of, he gets a little, uh, he gets a little adventurous and decides to try some of it. This face that he makes, <laughs> he, he just looks so upset and sulky. Like, what am I doing? The money's nice, but it's people. And I'm just going to go ahead and see what the whole thing is about. He's like, yeah, probably too bad. Like he does hesitate. He's like, do I want it? And right behind him is Gaston just like, do it. You see eat. what I mean? Yeah. Like, you never see him eat, but he's, like, so into this idea that other people are eating. That's true. It's probably just he's, yeah, he gets he gets a thrill from seeing people eat people. He's just like, yeah. Throw the old woman out, Toby. And so he eats a little bit, and he's like, wow, that's, that's fantastic. And I'm like, no, now you're one of them. Now you have a craving. Wendigo does not give, only takes. <laughs> craving. And now the cop's back, same cop. And he says they got a little more information on what happened to the landlord, and they found out about this metal from this special knife. Kryptonite. That, <laughs> that was in his... Was it glowing green? That was near his blood. And they're like, yeah, pretty soon we'll, we'll check the records, and we should be able to find out who bought it, and we'll figure it out in a couple days. And Christopher Reeve's like, oh, no. And Gaston just starts heading towards the back. What so, number does she say here again? $7,500? Se no, $7,857 they made. Fifty-six, fifty-seven. <laughs> $7,857. We better start thinking about expanding. So one meatloaf was a $1,500 day. Yeah, where'd they get the rest of it? I'm just saying, as you said, $8,000 worth of Wendigos. <laughs> <laughs> Unless they just have really good baked potatoes and people going for that too. I don't know. No, it's, it's the people. And so she's like, well, I can't believe I made that much money. I have to go tell Fred. She's all excited. Gaston's cleaning the grill, and he sneaks over to her purse and takes the gun out to use later. So you know something, he's got a plan. And so she goes in the back to talk to Fred, and Fred's kind of all upset. He, he's starting to feel guilty, I think. He knows he's afraid he's going to get caught. And I'm wondering, why does Gaston want to kill them now? After Fred finally eats, it's like they're all in on the scheme. Or I guess Irma doesn't know yet. No, Irma doesn't know. And so Gaston's like, well, maybe we should take the cop out can't take out Phil. He's one of our best customers. <laughs> he came in when we only served squid every day, even when he didn't eat anything. Well, and it's like, then you take one cop out, then you what? You gotta take all the cops out? You can't just, like, start killing them. And so he's like, no, don't do that. You know, he's like, I'm gonna close up. And so Irma is back at home waiting for Fred to come home. This part's a little creepy. Like, Gaston just kind of, like, barges in on the door while it's all dark before she can even really open the door. 
I'm like, that's... He followed you home. Yeah, he followed her home. Do you see a scenario where they invited Gaston over? Like, hey, I'm gonna be your cleanup guy. Sure, come over for dinner. Yeah, no. She was, like, shutting the door, and he's just in the doorway. And I'm like, wow, okay. How is this not an immediate, what are you doing here scenario? Yeah, he's just immediately like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to scare you. And she's like, oh, okay. And so he comes in there, and he's like, I don't know how to tell you this. Fred's in a bad way. He took your gun. I think he's gonna hurt himself. He's been killing people at the restaurant. And she's like, oh my gosh, what? Like, when she sees that the gun is gone, she's like, oh no. And then I was like, she really believes her husband is a murderer pretty quickly. She's like, oh shit. And so she has, she gets her stuff, she checks the purse, she's like, no, my gun's missing. She runs back over to the restaurant. Well, she, I guess she, uh, Gaston, Gaston gets there first, for some reason. Yeah, he tells her he's gonna go and try to stop him. I mean, oh, okay, so she doesn't, okay, she doesn't run off first. Okay, I thought maybe she did. Okay, so Gaston. Uh, you're, you're thinking ahead to what the audience hasn't seen yet. <laughs> yeah, okay, so Gaston, Gaston runs ahead of her to go check on him. They go back, he goes back to the restaurant. He pulls the gun on Fred, which I'm not quite sure why he's killing Fred. Is it because he wants Irma, I guess? I don't think they ever decided when they wrote this what the real motivation was. I think the best way to look at it is the Wendigo. <laughs> because at one point, yeah, he wants her because he's got ideas, and then he gets Fred in on the scheme, and then she kind of casually gets in. I think what he ends up trying to do is kill both of them, or at least kill her and frame Fred. And maybe take over the restaurant? Either that or just get away, like you said. Because he's yeah. obviously he's obviously been doing this for a while. Well, if he's a, yeah, if he's like a drifter type, he could easily go somewhere else. I don't just... know what happened. They came after each other. He's got this whole play. You see him fighting Christopher Reeve, who burns himself on the stove. Which I was grill. like, why is the grill on? Thank you! <laughs> That's in my notes, too. I just have, why is the grill on, question mark. Because I'm like, y'all y'all closed. It shouldn't be on. But then part of me, like, when we get here, we'll get to the little twist here. So he's got the gun in Christopher Reeve's mouth. And he's like, I'm going to tell everyone that you blew your brains out. You hear the and door then, open. Yeah, the little door opens. You never see who it is at first. Which I'm not sure why it's right there. And he's well, maybe we should do a, a murder-suicide. Because he sees it's it's Irma by now. And so he's like, well, maybe we'll do a mur- I'll set up a murder-suicide. Looks like you guys both took each other out. And he's still got the gun pointed at Fred. And then that's when Gaston goes to shoot the gun and there's it's empty. And right away, Fred and Irma grab him. And I was like, yeah, I was so excited. Because <laughs> I was like, that's right, girl. She she called him. She called her husband. She knew what was going on. You know, in true Tales from the Crypt fashion, they, they spin it multiple ways. And once you see the ending, it can kind of ruin the beginning for you. But knowing that the whole time she didn't have bullets in the gun, which is what she says here, yeah. Fred knows I don't put bullets in my gun. I am wondering, at what point was she actually told? And I've decided over time it had to have been when she was talking to Fred back in the back before Gaston followed her home. Yeah, that he, like, let her know. Like, he had to bring her in on the whole thing. Yeah, I think I think by then he probably did. Because, yeah, the thing is, her gun is never loaded. She knows that. Obviously, Gaston didn't. And so she knew right away it was a setup, even if she didn't already have known before. But why wouldn't he check to see if it was loaded I mean, before you, he tried to shoot somebody? Can you feel the weight difference? I would think you would. You but. can, but it, it is insignificant to open up that chamber and see if there if that thing's got I guess he just assumed. It. Well, it was the kind that had, like, the bottom load. It wasn't, like, where you could see the bullets. Oh, you're right. So, I mean, it's... It's like one of the it's one of those Mandela effect things. I decided it was a revolver. Yeah, it's back not in a my, revolver. In my childhood. And so they're wrestling him, and 
you know, she explains what happened, how she knew, because he's like, what? And so then they turn him over and they, they slowly put his face down on the grill, which was kind of freaky. But still, I was like, so then that's why part of me was like, well, maybe that's why the grill was on. He had prepped it because they knew they were going to cook him. Well, when Phil shows up here at the very end, he's got that look. He knows about the whole thing. He yeah. knows that they've been eating people. He's been eating he people. He fine with it. He talks about how he's developed this taste. I almost think this is the real Tales from the Crypt spin. Like the whole yeah. time he was leading Fred on talking about his landlord, I think Phil was in on the whole thing or at least knew about it and he was actually playing Gaston the whole time. But if Gaston's willing to do the dirty work of killing, why wouldn't you want him on? I mean, just bring him in on it. It's more about... Well, actually there's a thing here. So Phil the cop comes in and Gaston's like, oh, hey, look, they killed Chumley and all this stuff. And Phil's like, that's fine. Um, I really like the taste of this meat. We're going to keep doing this. So he likes it. And what he kind of throws off is he's getting ready to do like an early retirement. So I think he's thinking he's going to take over the killings. That's my interpretation okay. of it. So I think the cop is going to take his early retirement to give himself something to do. And he's going to, I guess, maybe take out bad guys or whoever. Well, he does say Farley's flame broiled, which I guess means I guess I'm in the restaurant business now. I guess that's his last name, Officer mm -hmm. Farley. Okay. And really the only reason to kill Gaston at this point is that he is a snake and he was trying to kill his partners at a point where he just needed to keep it going and everybody could have been on the same thing. You said that Fred was going to kill himself using my gun. Fred knows I never put any bullets in my gun. Nope, never. I won't let her. Thanks for the phone call, honey. He got here just when you said he would. Now, what are we going to do with him? I don't know. He has such a big mouth. Big mouth? I say he died. Ah! Officer! Officer! Officer, thank God you made it. Here are the killers. They killed Chumley. And who knows who else? Yeah, yeah. What to do? What to do? What do you mean? Arrest them. Yeah, I could do that, but you see, I've developed this taste. And this would solve my early retirement problem. Something to do with myself. Farley's flame broiled sound okay to you guys? Phil was actually playing him. Yeah. He was calling him out those, all those times he was talking to Fred, so he was looking for him to betray them. Yeah, it's like now a, they can't trust everyone kind of knew more than they really let on and they fry his they, face yeah, they stick his face right on the grill he's just screaming this is a whole new level of cannibalism we're not just killing butchering and then cooking we're cooking and eating yeah there's no middle ground here Phil's just like I'm starving and he's like what and then it pulls back to the sign of Gaston or Gaston Fred and Irma's steakhouse and Gaston's name disappears the lights go out not to mention the windows were open the whole time I know there's no one else in this town until people cook steak. Then everyone shows up. Absolutely. This episode was pretty fun. It cuts back to the Crypt Keeper now. And for some reason, he's got a tap. He's got another chef laying there. And he's got a tap, like a beer tap in the back of his head. Like he says something about something about taps. And I, I, didn't, I didn't quite get it. But he goes later and he pours the, the drink. He says it's time for taps. And I'm like, is that supposed to be a pun? I thought that was a pun on, you know, when they play taps at a soldier's funeral. See, I was thinking maybe it was a play on, like, Pabst or something. The way that he's pouring, like, a... Because he pours this really nasty, like, pink, frothy beer out of this guy's head. Could be either way, honestly. 
This wasn't one of the best Crypt Keeper puns of all time, but yeah. it's my favorite episode. He's still having a good time with it. <laughs> Crypt Keeper, you're so punny. And the best Crypt Keeper pun is... I suppose it's a little too late for Gaston to save face. Talk about a flesh in the pan. <laughs> I guess that's what happens when you butcher money where your mouth is. <laughs> But yeah, that's the end of Season 4, Episode 6, What's Cooking? Well, there's a little bit of trivia here for the episode. Fred's wife, Irma, mentions the Daily Bugle to her husband. This fictional newspaper is one Peter Parker worked for in the Spider-Man comic book series. Wrong comic book, guys. Yeah, that is Superman's wrong. DC. <laughs> well, wait, no, because they said Spider-Man. But Daily Bugle was Superman, wasn't it? Hang on. Maybe they got it wrong on IMDb. Because I, I can't remember which one it is. No, Daily Planet was... Daily Planet was Superman. Okay, so we got it right. I can leave that in. Okay. So, also, like I said in the beginning, this is the highest rated episode in the series with an 8.5 out of 10. The next one down, I believe, was Yellow, which is season 3, episode 14, and had an 8.4. I still feel like some of the episodes would be rated higher, but actually that's pretty good, I guess. Really no love for Malcolm McDowell as the vampire. Yeah, I think that one's only like a 7 point something, 7.6 or something. What's wrong with us? We love this show, and we don't rate the right ones right, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I already, I'm planning a list. At the very end of all this, I want to do a top 10, bottom 10 kind of thing. Also, um, as Fred is looking at his book, his cookbook called Squid, Squid, and More Squid, for a new recipe, he talks about inventing squid on a stick while he's reading and finger underlining a recipe for squid with grapefruit sauce. That should not be a thing. But yeah, so the, that's the end of the episode. The next episode is season four, episode seven, The New Arrival. Joe, thank you for being on the podcast. This Thanks has been fun. Me. Do you want to tell everyone about uh, Discography Discussion a little bit? Uh, discography Discussion is a heavy metal podcast where we look at an entire band's discography every single week on every single episode. And if that is something that you're into, you can find us at DiscussMetal.com or HeavyMetalPodcast.com. Good luck figuring out how we got that one. <laughs> I still don't know. And thank you guys out there for downloading and listening to this episode. If you want to leave a five-star review on iTunes or a review on Facebook, I would very much appreciate it. Uh, there's a Twitter page you can follow, at Gek Podcast. That's at G-E-K Podcast. There is the Facebook page you can follow where I put out the new episodes and things like that. I'm on Spotify. I'm on Podbean. I'm on iTunes. All this stuff. Again, thank you guys so much for listening and have a good one. Just had quite a scare. I actually thought my heart was beating again.